0: I'm delighted to announce that this podcast is now sponsored by the Heathen Boxing Academy. It is Ireland's most popular boxing and fitness class. They have three locations across Dublin, located in Sandyford Lands and Grand Canal Docks. You burn over 600 calories during a class and also get to meet new people and enjoy yourself as the staff there are really, really great. And I do mean that. So go check out their site. It's linked below or else can be found at HeatonBoxing.ie and sign up for their 10 class program while you're at it. And if you DM them on Instagram or email them through their website with the discount code RALIN, you will get 10% off the usual price. So how's that for a deal? All you got to say is RALIN and you get 10% off just like that first 10 classes 10 percent, great deal so get involved get fit and bring some positive energy to that place i'm telling you now you will not regret it it's great for whatever fitness goals you have just go use the discount code and thank me later Welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Rant. My guest today is Royce Dunn. Royce is a CrossFit athlete from Australia and has been doing CrossFit for several years and trains with the likes of Rich Froning. Now, Royce, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And first and foremost, how is everything with you today?
1: Uh, feeling pretty good now. On the uh, on the mend a bit. uh flu last week, but got
0: them back. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, first of all, I just want to get to know a bit about your past and you know what kind of shaped you growing up and like say for instance when you're a teenager it's not exactly the most common thing especially back 15 20 years ago to wanting to be grown up and become a CrossFit athlete because it wasn't the cultural ph- phenomenon it is today so like did you always have a kind of interest in fitness growing up Were you kind of active I'm um, like how did you kind of shape and get geared towards eventually becoming uh, the type of athlete you are now today?
1: Clearly, uh active as a kid, played a lot of sports. Um played Australian football. Um actually obviously here in in the in Australia. And um when I got into high school, uh kind of just uh got a bit obviously busy with uh with more academic stuff and kind of fell off the sports side. Um and I just discovered through uh one of my gym teachers just um you know, normal gym, just traditional, going to the gym and and just getting fit and lifting weights and something other than um than specifically just a sport. And I kinda fell in love with that, did that for a few years and then um kind of just accidented my way into the fitness industry as a PT. And uh, I was doing that for a couple of years and one of the um one of the PTs I worked with mentioned that um you know you can get all these great ideas for programming and for workouts for your clients off of a website called CrossFit.com. All the workouts are up there for free and um, really good stuff. So I went and checked it out and I liked to look at some of the workouts so I started doing a couple and I just got hooked. Like I think most people's story with CrossFit is, you, you do one or two workouts, you just get addicted and then um, kind of the rest is history.
0: Yeah, so to speak, was there – were you in college purely focusing on the – with the view to becoming a personal trainer one day? Was there – a moment where you kind of had to go down the fitness route, or else a more practical business-type solution job, or was it always set on being at very least a personal trainer and then getting into the fitness fitness industry that way?
1: No, yeah, it was. It was a bit of an accident. I was, um, I was yeah, at uni studying um so something something else. I was in the sciences, and I just wasn't enjoying it. wasn't enjoying study. wasn't keen to jump back into uni straight after um, school, and um. Yeah, someone just suggested to me. Said, "Hey, you know, you like you like gym, you like being active, you like fitness. Why don't you go be a personal trainer or just try it out for a while?" And I thought, "Yeah, what's to, what's to lose?" So I went and checked it out. Um, got some information on some of the courses and, and, and a of years, and I could always come back to uni later. So um, went and did that, and yeah, fell in love with it.
0: Like I remember my first ever attempt. What was it? About seven or eight years ago. At this stage, into. The crossfit world and at that stage it's it's grown so much both professionally and also in a kind of local way as well even in ireland now there's so many more gyms and there's much more information about it but like when i initially got into it i was just thinking right this is completely unlike everything i've ever done i, I had a rugby background so everything was all geared towards strength and just being basically as explosive and whatever it could be but then as you're saying you go on get a wad generator you'd be getting tested in every single facet of your kind of condition. So for someone who was a bit chubby back then, like myself, I found the row machine, stuff like that, absolute hell. Well, then some of the power lift elements I found to be a lot easier. But like, was there certain elements straight away where you were you thinking, okay, maybe this actually isn't the best idea for me? Or were you just very much determined going, I actually like this. And by God, I'm going to keep working at this to make sure that I level out in every single area.
1: Yeah, I think it was a bit more of the latter. Um, there was certainly a lot of movements, um, you know, I'd say my, almost the vast majority of them, that um, I would consider a weakness or, or I wasn't good at. There was only a few things that I found that came naturally to me, a lot of the movements that require any kind of mobility or flexibility. Um, I wasn't very good in the positions and struggled a lot. But yeah, it was it was a case of I think, well, I'm, I'm, if I'm bad at this stuff, without knowing about it. It doesn't matter if I'm bad at it when I do know about it. But people um, a big a bit of a block for a lot of people when they try something new is that, you know, people, you always hear people say that, like, oh, I discovered how bad I was at this and it's like, yeah, you were bad at that already. Now you just know. So so running away from something it gave you that challenging um, kind of problem slash overcome kind of mentality that you miss from sports. About like, I can't do this now. i got to figure out a way to, to overcome this weakness or learn this skill or you know progress. There's always a, a progression every day for you to learn. And I found that really um,
0: Okay. Yeah, so no, that's an interesting aspect of it. And I always found what I found with myself was after about three or four weeks, I found my body basically just breaking down on me And that's when ultimately I just, I stopped and reverted back to what I know. But like the one thing I look at when you look at, there's so many different types of conditioning, whether you look at bodybuilding, you just see these giant men who are just physically, just absolutely insane. You then look at maybe the more athletic side of things. You look at maybe the weightlifters who can do the Olympic lifts or even the F45ers, if you want to call them. And the one thing that always kind of, amazed me about whenever I saw some of the top CrossFit athletes was that they just pretty much were just built and performed like machines because across the board they couldn't really afford to if they wanted to be one of the top guns they couldn't really be you know too muscle bound and not have enough cardio or vice versa or they couldn't be too reliant on a certain lift because you never know that this lift or x and y could pop up so like I suppose the question at the end of this that I'd like to ask is it's a bit like bodybuilding in the way they have to scope certain parts of their body and maybe if they have not a defined chest, they need to work extra on that. Like, is it very much just repetition, 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 just do whatever workout you have or is there specialized training in your case where you're like, okay, my clean's not that good or my rows not that good or my cardio isn't as good? Do you specifically have time to look at those areas or is it just you need to work on everything and just hopefully it all just gathers pace and gets up to the the level re- required to compete at the top level. Yeah, that's
1: that's a really good question, actually, which I I feel like a lot of um, a lot of prospective CrossFitters or guys who come into into CrossFit from a different sporting background who want to have a go at it as a competition um, aspect really struggle with with that um, that formula, I suppose. And in my opinion, it's. Um, it's kind of like a, the best analogy I ever heard for it was um, one of the you know OGs of CrossFit, one of the original um, coaches and athletes, Chris Spieler. He said it like if you went you know on a on your winter holidays, went out to a ski resort and just you know hit a couple of slopes and had a good time on, on your holiday, it's a very different kind of skiing to the guy who's training for the Olympics. It's both still skiing. You know, the principles are still the same. You do your little one hour lesson with the instructor, and he teaches you the same same ideas. But it's just a different mentality, and and you know you might get a few bruises and bumps. But the goal when you're skiing recreationally is not to hurt yourself. And uh, but the Olympic athlete is pushing the limits. And um, you know if an accident happens in pursuit of a gold medal, it's kind of almost like it's a you know it's not not good, but it's like well that's the price you pay in a way. Like that's the mentality. Like people are willing to put their body on the line when it comes to sport. And and so it's a similar thing with CrossFit, where I think um, you know they always talk about intensity. But I think what people forget, and they they mention this in the level one, it's relative intensity. So if you're relatively inactive or haven't you know lifted much weight before, or you're um, you know coming off the couch, even just doing like a couple of rounds of rowing and burpees relatively slowly for you know seven or eight minutes is going to feel pretty intense. Like that's going to be a good workout for that person. And so it's up to the coach and, and a good and a good gym to um, to help someone uh, taper into. The CrossFit training, you know, get to the point where they're doing what a lot of CrossFitters do, where they're training seven days a week and going, you know, hard out and trying to race the clock and all that stuff that kind of CrossFit's known for. That takes some time to build up, I think. And, and if people jump in too quickly, that's when the injuries happen. And it's the same mentality when it comes to the competitive arena. Like you said, honestly, a lot of it at the start is is kind of throw the rice against the wall and see what sticks. And and it will take you, it will take someone a good two to three years to even understand what truly is their weakness you know like someone might think they're not so they're, they're clean is their weakness some my clean is really really low compared to my deadlift and my squat but with a bit of technique and a bit of mobility work within a couple of months all of a sudden your clean might jump up to being back in line where it should be so it wasn't really a weakness you just had to learn the skill a bit more so it takes you a good two or three years to kind of round out yourself and and getting enough exposure to the different elements that you even know what it is that you're actually bad at, because certain movements you'll you know will forever dog you as a bit of a bit of a weakness, and some movements will always be your strength. Just how it goes with all um, with all athletes, I think, in all aspects of all sports, just certain some things click, some things don't. But that takes time to reveal. You know, there's a lot of red herrings along the way where you think this is a weakness of mine, but it's purely because you've only done it three times. I've got everything you suck at everything when you start. So it really is a case of, like, you got to put the hours in, as you said, the repetition, just to expose yourself to as many things as possible, as often as possible. And then when you start to get a picture of that, when that starts to shape and you can see where where things click and where they don't, then you can talk about more specific training and working on weaknesses and, um, you know, getting, getting a specialized coach for certain movements and so on. But I think people rush to that stage way too early. Mm.
0: Like I suppose a, a good example would that be like and most people say common fans of CrossFit or even maybe not fans, people who are just aware of it. Like Rich Fronan's probably a good example of that where the much publicized kind of struggles he had on the rope climb several years ago when he was deemed the favorite and everything was going well and he became unstuck there. And then I remember seeing interviews after and – Obviously, everyone just kept asking him, "Oh, what about the rope climb? What about the rope climb?" But he always reverted back to the fact that he was saying, "Listen, it was just a a thing that I just wasn't good at, and I need to get better at." And I suppose when you think of gym culture and the masculinity that comes with it, it's all a it's not all about egos, but there is big o, big egos in there, and you want to lift as much weight as possible, and you know get as much of a pump on as possible. But as you touched on there. Is there a certain element of, and especially with the coach and then say, as you were saying there, you've done a bit of coaching yourself and then obviously people coach you certain lifts. Is there a certain element where, whether you're part of a team or you're getting coached individually, that there's really no room for ego in this kind of arena? Because if you have that big of an ego, it's number one, going to come back to bite you in the ass eventually. And secondly, as you pointed out, you're not going to be able to pick up on the actual weak points of your your overall performance. Yeah, a hundred
1: percent, a hundred percent. It's um, I think I think it's true across all sports that if you want to be if you want to be great, not not just good, not just you know above average or you know a hero in, in a small in a small pond, if you want to be great, you have to be uh, humble, and um and you see it all the time in the class. You know, the people with egos, they either get hurt from their own their, their own undoing, or they quit. Because um, if you have an ego about you and you're you good at a few things and you can top the leaderboard a few times, eventually, eventually the tables turn and there'll be a movement that you're not good at and someone who you think that you should be better than will beat you. And, and if, you, if you're humble about it and say, well, that's just how it goes and never, you know, there's no weight class in CrossFit. So the little guys get their day and the big guys get their day and it all kind of evens out. But if you don't have that mentality, if you have the mentality that you're you're, you know, Got a big ego, and you're the best, and everyone else, you know, no one can touch you. When you get beaten that day, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna make you quit. You're gonna say, us oh, it's stupid. CrossFit sucks. or well, I don't like these movements, or whatever." And then you kind of just eventually wash out. And there's a great story I remember reading about um, Tiger Woods back when he was um, on his kind of his first rise, when he was when he was this up and comer and doing exceptionally well, and he was actually number one in the world at the time. And he got a, and he got a new coach. Uh, who told him he had to change the way he holds his club and um and he said if you change the way you hold your club you can be like w- like one of the greats ever like the best right now you're good but you could be better and and tiger who you know lives lives to be to perfect his game and that's his passion and he has no ego around golf you know other, other personal you know, personal stuff aside around his golf he's he was he was willing to uh-huh. do that and he said okay and, and there was like a year or two where he kind of dropped off the face of the planet. Like he was out of the top 100. It was like, oh, who was that guy? He was kind of, you know, showed some promise, but yeah, he's gone now. And then uh, and then he came back and, and had that phenomenal run that we all know him for, where he was just winning everything inside. And he, and he was truly one of the greats. And, and he was willing to take that one step back to unlock his potential. Whereas a lot of people don't. A lot of people, you know, I'm already number one in the world. What do you know? You know, I'll do it my way because that's what's worked so far. And uh, and you know and, they, and they're all good they're great great athletes but they'll never be you know one of the greats and that's I felt, so I felt that's true in all sports but but especially in CrossFit because unfortunately the line between sport and fitness gets blurred in CrossFit like if you're not if you're not you know even the top one percent in the open like someone who's right near the top of the open who could who could have potential to be competitive then you need to stop thinking about it as a sport. Because, you know, for everyone else, it really is about fitness. You've probably got a full-time job, a family, juggling other commitments, like you don't have the time to put in. You get up at 5 a.m. to train before work. You know, you don't want to, you, you, can't, just, you can't afford to stress your body mentally and physically by, by doing like falling into the trap of trying to train like an athlete in a, in a spare time hours. You know, you got to think I'm just here to get fit and healthy and, and stay off the, um, you know, diabetes and heart disease list. And you have to, um, mm. you know, treat, you have to treat the training a whole different way. You know, people fall into this. Like, you know, no one no one goes and plays a, a social touch footy comp and gets confused halfway through the season and thinks they're playing the NRL and try to, like, you know, go, go hard yeah. and, and rupture their knee and, and all kinds of put their body on the line. Like, it'd be silly. You just think we're just here to have a good time. And, yeah, it gets competitive, but we're just playing around, playing touch footy. But the problem with CrossFit is that because – of of the previous years, focus on the games. You know, like CrossFit talk about themselves. How much media was about the games and, and CrossFit was the games. People who are in the box to get just get fit and healthy and, and lose some weight get confused halfway through and think they're training. You know, for the CrossFit games and they're trying to snatch weight that they shouldn't snatch. And you know, yeah. the snatch is a great movement. For example, like you know, I really believe it's a great movement to learn and and there's so many benefits. But in the in the purest form. There is really no reason for a human being in their normal lives to put a heavy weight over their head in that position. Like There just isn't. Like if people say to me, i got sore wrists, sore elbows from snatching, what can I do? I just tell them, hey, just snatch lighter. Like just go really light. And they say, oh, but then I'll never, you know, i never PB my snatch. I'll never get like a really heavy snatch. And I always say to them, like, but so? H- who cares? If you're not competing, you don't need a heavy snatch. Like tell me the next time you're going to need to put hundred kilos over your head, like in the office, like on the way to work, like it doesn't make sense. Like it's just, you got to think about risk reward. If, if you can perform the movement pain free, then there's lots of rewards to doing it. But if there's some kind of detriment, if it's, if it's hurting you, if there's some mobility re- restriction that you, you know, you can't fix, maybe the elbow, your elbow is just a bit arthritic or the wrist, there's a previous injury. If there's a, if there's a kind of an unchangeable factor that's making the, the risk too high for the reward, you don't have to do it. Like, that's the beauty of CrossFit. It's it's malleable, interchangeable, it's modular, it's scalable. And and there's no exam, there's no test. You're not being told like, well, if you can't snatch, then you'll never be great. Because remember, for 99 percent of people, you're not gonna compete. You're not gonna ever need to test these skills. The the, the hour a day of class you do is your entire like CrossFit experience. That is your workout. So do things that, that feel good, that get you a good result and that don't hurt you. And um, And that's that's so simple in in theory. But like I said, the problem is that there's this confusion, this muddiness with like, oh no, we're all we're all training for the open technically. We're all athletes, like, come on, everyone has to progress somehow. You need that muscle up because you know, CrossFit games. But it's like you I mean, it'd be great to get a muscle up and if that's your personal journey, like you want to take that goal off, then sure. But You don't need a muscle up. Like who needs a muscle up? Who needs a snatch? Like Mm. there's certain movements I believe the human body needs to perform, which is you you should be able to deadlift, squat, and press over your head. But you might just do that with you know half your body weight. Like if you're if you're an aging population or if you have a back injury, just you know lightweight, safely just moving through the basic human range of motion and keeping yourself mobile into old age. That's great. All the fancy bells and whistles are just that. Mm. and people are hurting themselves in pursuit of fancier and fancier skills only because they saw it on TV and think that's what you have to do if you want to do CrossFit.
0: Well, no, well said. Well said, and it's important that you do refer. It's one of the unique kind of concepts where you have your local box that's filled with more or less 100% of people that are never going to be at the Games, or you might have one person there with aspirations, maybe two. And as you were saying there, is that one or two percent that do push on and want to compete at the games and make a living out of it and it to be there you know so purpose when they get up and when they go to bed and you're obviously part of team mayhem which is one of the more renowned teams around and you do get to train a good bit with the likes of rich phone and who i've previously mentioned and stuff like that but i suppose for people who would listen to this and there is going to be people who are avid CrossFitters, I know a few people have been on to me asking me questions and stuff like that. But say for the people who just say go to the gym or don't even go to the gym, like what does your, say, normal day entail of? Like what are you doing with a diet point of view? Like are you eating crazy amounts of calories? Do you not really care what you eat as long as you have an X amount? And then like as I said, are you doing one workout a day? Are you seeing how the body is when you get up? Or is it very kind of regimented? scheduled like you'd say have would say a professional team or as a very much wake up on the day see how i feel and then just roll into whatever i do
1: yeah my my approach to nutrition is pretty is pretty laid back um i don't necessarily count calories or macros or anything but i um i think i eat probably exactly about as much as as you'd imagine someone of my body weight and and activity level would eat which is not to say a huge amount like it probably wouldn't be as much as say a bodybuilder or someone who who eats very specifically for, um, for like weight gain or for, for certain kinds of, of weight uh, manipulation. But I you know, obviously eat probably more than the average person. Um, and it is a case of just, yeah, I just eat when I'm hungry and, and just make sure the food is relatively good quality. And I do have a nutritionist who I work with around competitions and she takes care of my meals and, um, and, and actual macros and whatnot around comps to make sure that you know in crunch time that all those factors are removed as much as possible and typically, um, obviously I'm very fortunate with my job coaching that I, I have a pretty flexible schedule. So training, plenty of hours to train and kind of try and be as efficient as possible, um, just so I can spend more time with the family and obviously not be away all day. So it might be like, um, you know, a two or three hour session in the morning where I try and get it all done. Um, it, sometimes I'll break up into two sessions, train a bit in the morning and then a bit in the afternoon, but typically, um, most days i'd say probably like four out of seven days i can do it in one session which is which is you know still exhausting and a big chunk of your day but just works out better to only leave the house once as far as with my family um and then the other couple of days if there's a bit extra volume or something um you know the endurance sports like you're swimming and you're running just because the endurance sports take more time you know like yeah an event that takes an hour you go train in that time domain so the training takes hours. You know, you might be at the pool for two hours. So um, those kinds of sessions I'll do, I'll split them up from the CrossFit stuff. So I might do, you know, an hour and a half in the gym in the morning and then go for the for the hour and a half swim in the afternoon. Um, so it's kind of, it kind of just depends on the day, but um, it's, it's just about managing the energy levels, I suppose. Like if there's a lot of intense, short workouts, even though you could kind of get it done in a couple of hours at the gym, Sometimes I'll break it up anyway because by the third hour, even if you're only doing you know, a 10-minute workout every 40 minutes, resting for half an hour, at a certain point, you just can't bring the same level of performance and intensity to the workout because you're just getting too tired. It's time to go home, have a rest, have something to eat, come back and resume again in the afternoon. So it's a bit of a case-by-case um, case basis, I suppose. Um, and just for me personally, like I mean, it's a little bit – I guess it's a bit of a deterministic attitude, but I feel like you really gotta feel out your body and see what um, what your body can kind of naturally handle as far as volume. Like I'm I'm pretty fortunate where I don't really feel overtrained very often. I've I've had very few injuries, um, and I can kind of just I feel good to tackle the the full kind of volume every day. The you know four or five workouts and a bit of weightlifting every day. As I know for a fact, and I trained with some people who, you know, after a couple of weeks of that, things start breaking down. You know, little little muscles, little niggles start to, um, you know, little tendonitis issues creep in, and they just they can't take that kind of volume. And, uh, and a lot of and a lot of the professional guys, like you'll see, if you went and canvassed all the games athletes, you'll you'll hear different amounts of training per week. So it's not like you, there's a certain amount you need to do to be great, but you certainly have to be careful that that you know some people are are built you know, a little bit of cut above the rest. And, and it's like it's like Tom Brady with the Patriots. Like, I mean, if you watch the documentary on what he does um, to keep his body in shape, I mean, he does, like, controls every factor there is to control. But even still, even if everyone did what he did and went to the level that he went to, you'd, you'd probably find that there's only a few, you know, phenomenons like him that can be playing that well and that injury-free into that kind of advanced age in a sport that destructive. And it's kind of the same with CrossFit. Like some athletes just can can weather the storm and other athletes unfortunately break. And that's a big factor in determining how far you'll go in any sport, I think. And you hear it all the time with Olympic gymnasts, like a lot of them get broken in training. They just all kinds of like terrible injuries and, and joints and stuff. And the ones who go on to win, you know, four or five Olympic medals just seem to be unbreakable. Their body is just super resilient. And that's kind of like a, a factor you can't really control. It's kind of um, the lack of the draw, I suppose.
0: No, that's an interesting point. And it is often overlooked. And even some of the Irish CrossFitters that I know, some of them that, you know, do it for a living, I've seen them offer, sorry, suffer some pretty pretty horrific injuries that they've had to kind of go through six, eight months of intense rehab just to be able to get back. And then they're starting at about 70%. But... Like you were touching on it there with relation to your own aspirations and even you were saying like your own, your diet is geared towards your own size and, you know, what you're required. Like, as you were saying earlier, it's not essentially like the bodybuilding where you've got the big guys with the big guys, the small guys with the small guys, etc. cetera. Like, with your, say, weight, it does gear you towards being able to lift heavier weights, which... I've seen that you've displayed there in previous CrossFit games where you've gotten personal bests in the field. But is there ever a time, and this might revert back to the whole ego thing, where you may be like, okay, well, listen, I can lift, I can clean really well, I can bench or do this and that, but then my cardio's been settled down. Like, Do you ever have that discussion with yourself or even with your coaches where you kind of think, maybe I should look at maybe potentially losing weight? Because if you look at, say, Traditionally, the cross athletes that tend to do well are people who are, you know, 5'9", five, 5'8", five, not absolute giants, not the heaviest in the world. So do you ever kind of contemplate that where you think if I want to maybe work up to that top 20, top 30 spots that I may need to make adjustments? Or do you think, listen, perfection takes time. I got to trust my process. I've got good coaches around me. I've got good work ethic. I'll get there eventually.
1: Uh, definitely there's a there's a nice little nice little mix of that so what I mean by that is for sure there's like some immutable principles of like just if you're heavier a burpee is is harder and so for sure there's this balance of um yeah not getting too big not being too heavy not being um too pigeonholed you know if you're if you're the, the big strong guy that means you're not the light fast guy and so um, there's definitely that element of not not letting yourself fall too far down the rabbit hole. And here's the other thing too. This is a, the amazing thing about um, about CrossFit and just the exposure of so many athletes. There's always a bigger fish, and you you can be the biggest, strongest, like most powerful looking guy, and some dude half your weight and half your height can probably clean and jerk more than you. And so you know you can't you, you can't um, put too much emphasis on on that one hill to die on about how you're the, you're the strong guy. I always win the strength events because one day you won't, there'll be someone, you know, stronger, small and who's smaller and also better at burpees and can still squat more than you. So you, you really have to be personally, like as far as your own, looking at yourself, trying to be in that, in that middle of the road, like trying not to get too heavy, trying to get too powerful where you lose the endurance, trying not to be too fit where you lose the speed. And so you're working on that within yourself but at the same time, and this is the, the kind of the dichotomy of it, at the same time, when it comes to the field, you doesn't matter how, for example, myself, doesn't matter how small I try and get and how fast I try and be, I'm not gonna be as small and as fast as someone like Dan Bailey, who who is naturally geared towards being a sprinter, he's shorter, he's powerful. So I could I could waste a couple of years trying to get closer to his level of speed and power and and still not be good not be fast enough. And in that time, I've, I lose all my strength and my and my, um, you know, resilience. Let's say if I lose too much weight and my body gets a bit too um, too underweight, and I start to get injured by all the all the loading that goes through the body, and so I I lose my advantage. You know, because at the end of the day, it's still it's still a um, a bit of a comparison of it's kind of like uh, there's more than one way to the goal. You know, like there's more than one way to tackle the task, and. Yeah. If you if you lose your advantage to try and build your weaknesses up, your weaknesses are still your weaknesses. Like they're still your, the weakest part of your game. You can make them a lot better, so you'll only so you just come middle of the pack and kind of be a nobody. Whereas if you can keep your strengths relatively high and hit some home runs, you know some top three finishes, that's going to add up to a lot more points. the de- the The downside of that is that if you invest too much time in your strengths to get that one event win and your weakness is is truly like being left behind and neglected, then that weakness will also be an event, you know, event last. You'll come last in an event and then and then you kind of the points are too far the other way. So there's this constant battle between you have to work with your natural gifts and, and stay in your lane, so to speak, but you are constantly trying to trying to kind of find the perfect you. And the, and the perfect me is a little different from the perfect Matt Fraser. So Matt's smaller, he's quicker, he's he's kind of a more of a, a gymnast as far as like he's lighter, less less weight to press overhead when he does a handstand push-up, so forth. But then he's also an incredibly good mover, very powerful, very strong, can lift a lot of weight. On the other hand, I, I'm naturally geared towards lifting weight. Um, not necessarily uh, powerful like an like Olympic lifter, but definitely like your power lifts, like your deadlift squat. I'm a bit of a slower, slower twitch, but I still have to work on my gymnastics to, to be to make sure I don't lose by too much. You know, because that's the other thing about CrossFit is that the the, the um, elements are mixed. It, the, you know, it's rarely just an event where it's just me and Matt doing burpees. It'll be burpees into a rope climb into a clean, and so there's you know he'll smoke me on the burpees, but then I've got definitely got the reach advantage on a rope climb. And potentially my body can handle the cleans a bit better than Matt. Now he's a he's a bad example to use because he's the best in the world right now. He is perfecting the game where there's yeah. very few things he can't do well. So that that is the goal, right? He's a short guy who could lift a lot of weight. It's kind of the perfect, the perfect balance. But there's other smaller guys who are Matt's size that couldn't, you know, that would be like 30 or 40 pounds under my lifts. And so that, you know, that's that's the the great battle. Like who's gonna win, the strength or the speed? It depends on on the the workout a little bit. It depends on which of the fast guys have been working on their strength enough, which of the strong guys have been doing enough speed, and who can you know. Assuming you'll win the thing you're good at, who can have the next best finish on the thing they're bad at, and that's the great game.
0: Yeah, it's always just uh, not so much a guessing game, but there's always something to chase after, so to speak. No matter what ranking you are, you know what your aspirations are, so to speak. But Like, looking from your own perspective, like, I do know there was kind of a reshuffle in the games in relation to where it is in the calendar year now. Like, yourself, like, if you look at, say, where you started back in, what was it, about 2012, 2013, you've seen, like, even your overall rank, it's generally just, it's improved year by year. But, like, is there a part of you now that is really, like, wanting to push into, you know, maybe the top 50 in the overall rankings? (laughs) Or, like, do you just set yourself goals of kind of short term things where, okay, train really good this week? There might be a tournament coming up soon that I want to kind of perform well in. Like, what kind of what are your aspirations leading into, I suppose, your the start of your prep or kind of the just over the start of your prep towards the next games? Yeah, for
1: me right now, um, things have been, um, you know, Perspective has shifted for me personally just because of now having the two boys, having a little family. So mm. uh, Jack, my oldest, is about two and a half and um, Harry, my youngest, is about seven months. And so for me, um, I made the games in in, eight, in 2018 as individual, which I hadn't actually planned on. I didn't think I was I was good enough yet, but that's kind of the, the beauty of it. If you just, you're just just doing the work and doing the things you're going to do, the results kind of you know come when you least expect it because you don't know what everyone else is doing or what they're um, – you can't control the other athletes on the field. You just you just work on yourself and then your performance, you know, is either good enough or not depending on on the field. And so that was a huge um, – that was a huge like goal ticked off a, off a big li- – you know, dream essentially ticked off a list to have made it individually. And then just mm. this last year, so so 2019 season and now this, this 2020 season, which we're kind of technically in um, – I've I've just decided to be going um, with the team, like on a, on a team focus with obviously mayhem independence, because just um, training wise and competing wise, it's a, it's a little bit more conducive to to the family life. Not that it's easier in any way, because it's a different kind of it's a different kind of fitness on the team. There's um, it's kind of a blend of you know the relay workouts where you work kind of one for one with your team members are much faster and more yeah. intense than individual because. You know the the work the work demand is smaller for that one event, so it really is a case of of put it all on the line. Whereas there's very few individual workouts where it's smart to burn yourself that quickly. You know everything's a bit of a, a pacing game in the individual, but the team workouts there's a lot more of those um, turn and burn kind of workouts. So that's a kind of a different um, different experience. And then the other longer kind of team workouts where you might work with the worm or do some things that are like um, team building reps is different again because it's like it's this big machine that's moving together, and so to go fast or to go slow is a is a, a harder you know it's a big ship to steer you know like you you turn the wheel the ship doesn't just turn left it it takes time to maneuver the beast and so the in- the intensity is kind of lower in that way that it's more about keeping your wits about you and moving steady and just not um, not you know, falling behind your team and laying them down versus individual where it's just, you know, know, the bar is lying there in front of you, you either pick it up or you keep resting. So there's really, it's just, you got to be willing to whoever can hurt the most and pick the bar up more times is going to win the event. Whereas the team, it's a lot more um, strategic on those workouts versus the relay workouts, which are kind of the opposite where it's way less strategic than individuals and it's more about going hard. So it's, it's, Harder and easier in in different ways an individual, but I think like the training wise and and the relative um, skill you need is a little bit a little bit lighter on, because a good team doesn't need to be as fit as the next four. They just need to be smarter and work better together. Whereas individually, almost always, apart from very few exceptions, the fitter athletes win. So it's just a matter of pushing your capacity through the roof and better and out training everyone else. Whereas the teams is about outsmarting everyone else in a way. And also of course you have to have, you know, you have to have the physical ability to back up your game plan. If you have a great strategy for your team, but you don't have the fitness to actually pull the strategy off, then you're not gonna win. Mm. So it's just a diff- it's just for me personally, I find it easier to balance my home life, a little bit less pressure out. On the competition floor, because you have the team members to, to work with, and um, it just keeps things a bit more interesting. So, for this year and for for last year and for this year, it was um, team focus. And uh, honestly, when the when my boys are a bit older and and things are a little bit less crazy back home, um, I'll probably look to go individual again. And then at that point, the you know goals will need to be set, and and you know, don't just go to the games to to splash around, have a good time, because. That's one way to guarantee you'll come last. You need to go in there with with a plan of like, I want top 10 or I want top 20, and you have to fight for that because that's the only way that you'll actually know. um, It's the only way to actually achieve a goal is to have one, obviously.
0: So yeah, Royce, it's interesting that you'd say that just with relation to the team and kind of the shift in mentality towards the workouts and what you were referring to there is that it kind of, it suits your training regime a little bit, the demands of, your personal life, obviously, as well, and then also you just seem to, you know, vibe a bit more off it. And like you've done a few events now with the likes of Rich fron and many other big names as well in the industry. Like, have you set goals as your team set goals of what you want to be doing? Because there's certain teams you could end up going with as well. It's not like you will be with the same team for the rest of your CrossFit career. Like, do you set yourself goals, or maybe winning a CrossFit games in a team event? Or as I said, is it kind of just very much see what team I get settled down on and take it from there.
1: Um, I'm definitely the the guys I'm working with um, for this season. I did a couple of events with last season, so it was very intentional for us to come back together and and chase some some more success this season. We had a, we had a really good season last year, but unfortunately we just missed out on a few couple of, a couple of chances to qualify, just um, by a pretty narrow margin. So we are keen to refocus come back and and punch that ticket and then um we're pretty confident Um, I mean I guess everyone is that's the whole point but we're pretty confident that we can we can make some noise at the games and if we were to qualify the focus for sure would be um would be somewhere in the top five if not on the podium and uh and you know I think it's important that everyone who goes to the games is playing for something like that otherwise you definitely won't do well if you're just going to see how you go now everyone's gunning for the podium obviously and the person who comes last was technically gunning for the podium, so it's obviously in in the hands of the competition. But that would be that would be the goal that we would set for ourselves. And then um, in the future, um, <clears throat> I mean, I have a good relationship with with Mayhem and with those guys, and so um, I would be available and and um, I guess what's the word uh, receptive to to any kind of um, any kind of offer they would they would. Um, need me for or want me for, but I would also I think after this year I'll, I'll look at um, possibly renewing, especially when my boys are a bit older. Possibly renewing my individual career and and uh, and going going back to the games as an individual and, and setting some goals for myself there and, and trying to be yeah you know, trying to be ambitious with the with my goal setting around my individual placement as well. So I'm not completely off the individual game. It's just at this stage of my life, the team is a really good, uh, really good experience. It's really fun, very rewarding. And then, um, you know, it, it does depend, as you're saying, on, on on some personal life factors. You know, with with my two boys and what stage of life we will be in as to um, as to exactly whether next year is the individual um, my individual return or whether I um, maybe push it back a few more years. But we'll see. But definitely, that's on the horizon as well.
0: No, they're all reasonable points, Royce. And I suppose the last last thing I'd like to, just to ask you before we just finish up with a quick fire round is. Like, have you seen, you've pretty much been with CrossFit, not since maybe the very origins of it, but like, since it's kind of come into global, the global scene and that it's really picked up all across the world, no matter where I go on holidays, I always see CrossFit gyms, whether it's in mental places in Europe or in the UK, or even if I'm over in America on the West Coast, New New York, there's always a box somewhere to be seen. So... I suppose the question I'd pose to you is you're at both sides of the coin, whether you're coaching, whether you're also competing as well, like do you see still room for CrossFit to evolve? Because in the last like five, six, seven years, it's really grown strength to strength and popularity. And it seems like even the, the knowledge of it and the coaching has gotten better. Like do you still think as a whole collective sport from the ground up up to the very top, number one rank guy, do you still feel there's, more left in the tank for it to evolve and become a more complete, I uh, just a more complete idea and kind of sport or whatever you want to frame it up.
1: Absolutely, I do. Yeah, I think on on the grassroots, there's more room for um, there's more room for more people who want to just get get healthy and get active and in, in, in an easy to do way and in a way that's gonna uh, that promotes great community and and um, a healthy relationship with exercise and diet. I think. There's, um, you know, every day at our gym, we get new people walking in who've never heard of CrossFit or heard of it in passing and kind of, but they just want to get fit and healthy and it just kind of looks, this looks interesting to them and they want to know about it and then they fall in love. And so we see that happening all the time. From a sporting perspective, from the top level, I think while these changes, the last, you know, this last year and, and obviously this year has been kind of scary and jarring and a bit, you know, it's not what people are used to and everyone misses, the, or a lot of people miss the old way. Yeah, I think um, change is always scary and always messy. And the first couple of years are always a bit of a, of a bumpy transition. But I think that with the sanctioned events and this kind of, um, you know, as Glassman says, this democratizing of CrossFit, of the sport, I think that's only going to lead to bigger and better things, you know. Like I, I was fortunate enough the other day to be um, involved in a bit of training camp for the Penrith Panthers, one of the, um, the rugby league teams here in Australia. And um they're, you know, all their coaches were there and all the mm-hmm. trainers were there. Yeah, I know them. And they all had um their little their training jerseys on and all the jerseys had just a big emblazoned logo on the front for a, a, a flavoured milk company here in Australia called Oak. And I was like laughing at myself because there's you know, flavoured milk has very little to do with rugby. And yeah, you know, a lot of company a lot of the teams have, you know, insurance companies on their jersey as their major sponsor and that's got very little to do with rugby. But that's the point in a professional sport. Those jerseys are just a billboard, you know. Um, home and contents insurance, mm. car brands, flavored milks—that's the kind of companies that, that throw big money at these sporting sporting brands. And in CrossFit, the moment every CrossFit company, quote unquote, every CrossFit sponsor is some kind of nichey little CrossFit brand, right? Like they sell wrist straps or they sell fit, you know, fit drinks, or they sell barbells. And, and I think with this with this opening up of CrossFit to the world and to, to the third parties and to people um, with, you know, maybe a different idea of how to run an event and uh, different resources, different contacts. You can see the rise of, of CrossFit as a real sport one day, you know, with, with a comp being sponsored by, you know, a home insurance company or there's a comp in Mexico that was run by Gatorade. And so I think that's, you know, that's where the money is. That's where athletes go become professionals and get paid a wage and, um, brands can find value add when, you know, if, if a you know, Toyota has its big Toyota logo in the middle of an arena for a weekend while everyone does CrossFit and does barbell thrusters on top of a Toyota logo, that's just like, that's eyes, that's eyes on Toyota, right? <laughs> like, what does it matter that CrossFit has nothing to do with Toyota? Like, that's not, that's not how advertising works. <laughs> you know, advertising is about getting eyes on your product on a billboard or on a TV commercial. So um, I think CrossFit not just being this like, talent show as it was. The games used to be like this talent show. Everyone comes in from around the world, does their thing. The best person leaves with a paycheck and all these CrossFit brands sell their stuff to CrossFitters. I think making it a legit sport that someone who doesn't necessarily do CrossFit might flick on the TV on a Saturday just because they're a sport lover and you know what, it's rugby off season, so I'll just watch a bit of CrossFit. Like, Why not? I'll watch a bit of golf. That's the future of CrossFit, I think, to become a household sport where people don't confuse the sport to training so that you know people who are in the gym who are there to get fit, they do their, their wad in the box and don't try and break themselves by doing extra volume. People who aren't CrossFitters themselves still watch the sport to appreciate it, just like I don't golf, but I'll watch a highlight reel of Tiger Woods you know, hitting hole-in-ones because it's, it's fun. And I think that's the future mm. of it, getting to the point where the sport is a is sport on its own legs it's not just um, what, it, what it currently is, which I think is a bad thing, which is people just assume the sport is like the the fitness program after a few years. You know what I mean? Like you as a random person at the box plus five yeah. years of hard training is the CrossFit Games. It's like it's not, it's not a matter of average Joe puts in the time and he'll be a Games athlete. It, it truly is like a sport where unfortunately you, you kind of need to come in with a, a certain amount of natural talent you know, like I've talked to weightlifting coaches who say they have that. you know, when they go and talent search at, at high schools for, for future weightlifters to represent Australia, and they'll get the kids to do an overhead squat on a barbell. And they say, you know, it sounds cruel, but the kids that just can't do an overhead squat well, like got, they've got tight shoulders, tight knees, tight hips, whatever, they just they think, look, it's going to be so much work to get you back to zero that, it, that you're just probably not going to be great. Whereas the kid that can hit an overhead squat perfectly, just has natural mobility and coordination. Well, now we've got something to work with. And not to say that, you know, like no, I say, it's very deterministic logic, right? Like anyone can work hard and be good, but you can't deny in the, in, in the competitive landscape of world sports that certain people are born a little bit closer to the finish line than, than, than others. You know, Kapoche, uh, Kapoge, or his, whatever his yeah. name is, the, the marathon runner who just ran the two-hour marathon. I'm sure there are hundreds of people who train just as hard, if not harder than him, but he's also just a one-in-a-million athlete. You know, one, once in a generation who, who can do the things he can do. And, and you look at Usain Bolt, who, whose own training partner couldn't beat him. The training partner does literally what he does in training. They're training partners. And, and Usain Bolt was just born, born to win. Michael Phelps was born to win. Now, of course, they work hard. That's, not, that's, that's a given. But the fact is that there are many other people working just as hard as them who couldn't come near them. And that's because talent does play a big role, even though we all like to pretend that it's all just hard work and elbow grease. Talent, talent is a huge factor in determining the best in the world. Now, there's plenty of room below the best. You know, sport big sports are big sports. You've got team sports. There's 16 people on a, on a, on a team. You, get, you know, not all 16 of you have to be the 16 best in the world. Some of you might be pretty crap, but you're on a good team and you can do your job. So there's plenty a room below the best, but at the same time, sports, like every sport, CrossFit needs to be viewed as there's a certain population that are, that are naturally going to do well at this and, and put the time in and can be great. And most, most people need to appreciate the sport for what it is, love watching it, and then go back to the box and do their thing and not worry about it, not get hurt in the pursuit of, of that sport just because they assume that's the natural progression because it's not
0: so yeah definitely a lot of a lot of that does come down to as you were saying genetics and people can work just as hard as other people but ultimately at the end of the day it's like myself i can i can bench very good but i can't clean very good so certain people are good at other bits some people not so much at others so i suppose um it's the luck of the draw so to say but just as we've discussed it's about putting yourself in the best possible position but Now, Royce, like what I normally do is I finish with a quick fire round and anything that comes into your head. And when I mean anything, the first thing that comes into your head, you can just shout it back and I uh, will start asking away. So, if you could do a WAD with three non related CrossFit people, who'd you pick?
1: Probably go with Rich Roining, Josh Bridges, and Matt Fraser.
0: Okay. I, you must have misheard me. I said three related cross people. So we're getting two for the price of one from an answer point of view anyway.
1: Sorry. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, I'd pick uh, Luke Combs. Uh, probably go with Tiger Woods. And Raphael Nadal. Purely because I just want to meet those three guys.
0: What is your favourite workout, or what, so to speak?
1: Uh, you know, I felt like the longer I do CrossFit, the less the the harder that question is to answer because I hate them all. <laughs> uh, probably my my favourite um, named workout is Amanda with the squat Snatches and muscle ups. Okay, the fun one.
0: Your favourite film of all time?
1: Uh, any of the Star Wars, all of the Star Wars. I can't separate them. Got to okay. treat it as one big movie saga.
0: <laughs> Has a new one come out in Australia?
1: Uh, literally, it came out at midnight this morning, so I'm I'm booked a ticket to go see it tonight at seven forty-five my time.
0: Okay, enjoy that. I'm looking forward to it myself. Yeah. Um, what song would you play to get yourself psyched or up for a big lift?
1: One of my favorite songs of all time to to fire up with is um, I think it's called "Into the Shallows" by Thrice.
0: Okay, I'll give that a listen to on my way to work tomorrow. Get me up for the it, day.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's heavy on. It's kind of punky.
0: Um, What is your current personal best on bench, clean, and squat? Uh,
1: in kilos, it's 160 for the bench. Uh, I've hit a 171 clean. And uh, what was the last one? Squat. Squat, yeah. Uh, my, my best all-time squat was 225 kilos.
0: Not bad. And the craziest thing you've seen doing CrossFit? Um, the
1: cra- craziest movement?
0: But, uh, or anything, recently. even in a workout or something that you're like, that is completely insane or crazy.
1: I see some um, pretty interesting interpretations of the movements um, every day at the gym, you know, with, with new people. Um, funny just some funny uh, ideas of how to move. But I think probably the craziest thing I've seen, which um, ironically was at the Filthy 150 over in Ireland. Um, okay. I think was, in my opinion, it's unfortunately a case of a great idea, just not not good in practice, which was the event where they had to um, throw the sandbag, like clean the sandbag for distance over their shoulder. So it was yeah. a sandbag off the ground and then it was you actually scored by how far it goes. I just think it's it's not I don't know, it's it's a silly it's a great idea. It comes from that strongman the idea of, you know, they throw the they throw the med balls or they throw the sandbags yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Which I like that, but I just think the loading and, and the way people moved with the bag was just it wasn't it didn't look great. I don't think it was a good test. I think the workout could have either just been a sandbag clean or a much lighter bag thrown a further distance potentially, but I think just the simpler you keep CrossFit stuff, the better. I think when you try and get too tricky, you, you lose some of the the, um, the test for you know kind of the gimmick of it.
0: Well, it's good to know Ireland have made a, made a <laughs> Q&A for once, albeit yeah. maybe for the wrong reasons, but we'll take it all the same. <clears throat> and second last one is your favorite TV comedy character of all time.
1: Favorite TV comedy character of all time. i um, will probably go Michael Scott from The Office.
0: Oh, have you seen the British office out of curiosity? I have.
1: Yeah, I have seen the British office, yeah. I like and... the uh, – I do love the British office, but um, what I like about the American office is they they wrote it to be a longer series. You know, the British office was a, was a mini-series. Yeah. But because they constructed the American office to be, you know, a five-season-plus kind of story arc, there's a bit more, like, storyline to it. It's more character development. They um, – you know, all the characters are a bit more endearing, whereas Ricky Gervais himself said he made the British office to just, like. Make you mad <laughs> like how dumb this guy is. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and lastly, Royce, and this is what most people do struggle with, is sum yourself up in three words. Hmm.
1: Hardworking would be my first half an edward. Hardworking, hmm. uh, stubborn, and funny.
0: Well, listen, Royce, that wraps it up. And Wi-Fi issues aside, I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to have a chat with you, um, long overdue. And um, yeah, listen, thanks a million for coming on. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, you know, the next 10, 11 months holds for you. And I'd say in the meantime, enjoy the workouts, enjoy looking after the family, and have a good Christmas on my end. And if I get a chance to have a chat with the organizers of the Filthy 150, I'll tell them that the Sandbag Trow is definitely a no-go for next year's event. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having me. it an absolute pleasure.
0: No worries, Royce. Listen, all the best and thanks a million for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas.